0: And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the Lacrosse Area gathers to talk Wisconsin Sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show is on the air 967 FM 5:80 AM or streaming at wkty-sports.com. However you're listening, Wherever you're listening, hope you're having a killer Tuesday, and thanks for making the Wisco Sports Show a part of your evening. Uh, we got we're changing gears today, okay? I, I feel like we have been non-stop Brewers for the last couple of weeks, and and the Brewers talk is by no means done. Uh, this is an incredibly exciting team who just wrapped up an incredibly exciting season, and and, and we're going to continue to talk Brewers. But I feel like today let's let's switch gears a little bit. Let's not lead with Brewers. I want to start with some Packers talk as they prepare to get back on uh, back on the horse. And, uh, and get back into action after their bye week. Coming up in uh, in Los Angeles. I almost said St. Louis, uh, coming up this weekend. A lot on the docket today, other than the Packers as well. I do want to talk about the Brewers a little bit and, and start to look forward to the offseason. Coming up later on in the show as well, we're gonna to talk to WIZM's Drew Kelly, uh, my broadcast partner when it comes to broadcasting lacrosse central games. Now they have another playoff game. They got a road win in level one last Friday. We're gonna talk about that to close the show, the show, excuse me. So be patient, Lacrosse Central fans. If you want to talk football, uh, we'll be doing that. At about 545-550, uh, and we'll we'll start to look towards that game on Friday night. I hope you're all doing well. You can talk to me and, and you can be a part of the program at 608-796-2558. That is the five star telecom talk and text line. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant or at WKTY. Either way, I'm gonna see it uh, and we can we can talk about it on air. A really exciting night last night, Monday night football in the NFL. I feel like in recent years, and, and I've asked other people, and I don't think it's just me, we've seen a flurry of trades. We've seen more trades these last couple of years than I think we're used to in, in the past in Amari Cooper getting dealt to the Cowboys for a number, for a number, a first round pick, not a number one pick, but a first round pick. And I think it's fascinating, right? Because people with the Cowboys are like, oh, the Cowboys stink. Dak Prescott's not very good. You know, this offensive line can't block for Zeke. He's having a down year. You know, this team should just tank. And then, and then the second they trade for Amari Cooper, oh, they got a big three in Dallas. Zeke, Amari Cooper, and Dak. Holy smokes, look out. I was like, what? what? <laughs> you get it? Like, you see, they had one player, and it's all of a sudden it, Dallas is a bunch of world beaters again. I guess that's the power of, uh, of being America's team. And then, uh, Patrick Peterson wants out of, um, of Arizona. Now he has yet to be dealt as far as I know, and I'm going to continue to check Twitter because things have happened so so quickly the last couple of, of days. And then another big trade, Eli Apple from the Giants, they deal their their star cornerback or they their supposed star quarterback after taking him in the first round. They deal him for a fourth and a seventh round pick. The Cowboys give up a first round pick which gives John Gruden five first round picks in the next 2 years. Uh, Interesting strategy, but he's building draft capital. So the NFL continues to churn and the wheels continue to move. A lot going on here in the last couple of days. Could the Packers be making a trade? And I definitely want to get into that later on in the show today. First of all, I wanted to take a look back at the 49ers game. And, uh, and look at a couple of details, because now we've had some time not only to, to think about the Packers game, but to let the Brewers kind of settle, right? Let's face it, most of us were focused on the Brewers and the playoff run that they were making in the National League Championship Series. And now, yeah, the 49er Packer game was a lot of fun. It was a really cool comeback that Aaron Rodgers made, but we still were left with some concerns. And, and going into the bye week, I think it was a good natural pause for the NFL season. And the Packers right now sitting at 3-2-1, one, one game, one win, and one game behind the Minnesota Vikings. You sit at 4-2-1. Um, and they're they're in a good spot in the division. I think they let a couple opportunities slip away from them early on, but now we can finally a start to dig into some details from that 49ers game and exactly what we think and what's important and and what details from that game can we extrapolate and, and use as we go forward, uh, especially to Los Angeles here and then New England in the coming weeks and uh, and a couple of details that I think I missed the first time around. I got a chance to rewatch the game uh, this weekend. And and get into some statistics and some things that I don't think you notice just watching as a fan, especially when you're trying to watch the Brewers and the Packers at the same time. So we'll get into that coming up as well. It, it's fascinating if you look at the the betting lines for this Green Bay uh, Los Angeles game. Aaron Rodgers, the largest underdog of his career. Now I'm I'm just on ESPN.com right now, and they have the line set at what looked like um eight and a half points. Let's let's see if that's changed. Actually, right now it sits at nine and a half. The spread is at nine and a half. As Green Bay goes into um, to Los Angeles this upcoming Sunday. And it's wild. And this game kind of has a sense of... And Packers fans, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. This game kind of has a sense of... You think the Packers are going to play really well. I, I think the Packers, honestly, are going to play their best game of the season on Sunday night. I think they're, the defensive game plan is going to be perfect. I think the offense is going to play great. And Aaron Rodgers is going to look the, as good as he has. I think Jimmy Graham might have a bust-out game. And Aaron Jones is going to make his impact. And I think they're going to play great. And I don't think it's going to matter because I think the Rams are just going to play better. You know what I mean? How many times have we had games like this? Last year with Brett Hundley in Pittsburgh, they no doubt played their best game of the year. No doubt that Brett Hundley had his best showing, and it became on the road against a superior opponent, and it didn't matter. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of other instances. I'm reminded, of course, of the 2010 game with Matt Flynn in New England, who is the Packers' uh, adversary and opponent coming up here in two weeks, where they played great. They probably played one of their best games of the year. Offense, defense, and special teams all put it together, but they were on the road against a great opponent, and they just couldn't get the win. And that's just the way it goes. This game has that kind of sense for me. Now, I'm not big into predictions or, or I, I don't hold a whole lot of stock in that. But if I had to put a spin on this weekend's game as we now start to focus and then we start to look forward to the Packers getting back into action, and that's, that's my sense. That's the sense that I get. And you can definitely share your thoughts as well. You should share your thoughts on the five-star telecom talk and line. 608-796-2558. Coming up in the next segment, there's a couple of things I want to get into. I want to get some big takeaways from the 49ers game that we might have missed uh, for whatever reason. Number one, maybe they didn't just jump out off the screen or, or maybe we were distracted with the Brewers. I know I was. I was trying to watch both. Uh, we had two TVs going. So I want to get into details of that game. And a couple of things we may have missed that are interesting, I think are useful. And I think they're very telling moving forward. Like I said, Rodgers is the largest underdog of his career. Uh, surprisingly enough, this Packers team is actually pretty healthy. And I'll tell you what I mean coming up next. And uh, are there moves to be made for the Green Bay Packers? I want to ask you that. Is there a player out there, maybe on a struggling team, or a team that's on the on the cusp of a rebuild, that you think the Packers could trade for? And if so, who? Patrick Peterson said he wants to be dealt. Specifically, he wants to go to New Orleans. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I think this the Saints have shown that, both through the draft and through free agency the last two years, that they're going for it, that they know their clock is ticking with Drew Brees, and they will push their chips to the middle of the table. They'll set draft capital aside for players now and wins now, and I think that's, that just makes sense in this whole Patrick Peterson thing. Now, I hackers have been connected to Patrick Peterson for the last two years now. Uh Now, salary cap and, and numbers, we can get into all of that coming up next. But is there a player that you'd like to see that you think could be available? Call your shot. Say, I, th- I think they're going to make a call on this. Uh, maybe a dark horse that nobody's talking about. 608-796-2558. We'll get into all of that coming up as we kind of got to get the Packers trained back on the tracks, right? We, we've we spent so much time and so much effort watching this Brewers team. Like I said yesterday, 163 regular season games, uh, including that, that play-in game. Three games against the Rockies and then seven against the Dodgers. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort and a lot of emotion put into a team. And now we kind of got to start balancing things again, right? All right, We got to look at the Packers now. Uh, and it's been so long since the Packers have been that one main focus, but that's got to be the case now. So we'll talk about that coming up next. Like I said, Brewers talk and Lacrosse Central Red Raiders talk coming up later on in the program as they push forward through the, uh, the high school playoffs this fall. We're talking about it all coming up next. Hope to hear from you on the 5 Star Telecom Talk and Text Line next on the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. We have a little bit of breaking news uh, that I, I should pass along. I know this is the Wisco Sports Show, but we are just less than a mile from the border. And some big Viking news coming down, and I'll share it with you. Per Ian Rappaport, Everson Griffin is going to resume team activities tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday October 24th both a statement from Vikings general manager Rick Spielman and Everson Griffin was included in the tweet I'm not going to read it aloud um, but for those of you who are interested you can find it on Twitter Ian Rappaport broke it I'll retweet it as well Uh, For those of you who want to see, you can follow me at grant And keep up with whatever I'm doing when I am not on the air. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. You can get in touch with the program, and you should get in touch with the program now, as I'm going to call on you guys. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. We're talking Packers and our thoughts. I know it's been a while. Because we've been so caught up in the Brewers, and I think rightfully so, that we have taken a step back. And now we have to begin, once again, to focus on the Packers and to and to give them our attention and to try to figure this team out. Because to be completely honest, a couple wins, a couple losses, and a tie to boot into the the bye week, I don't think that's how we expected this Packers team to be. Looking at the schedule to begin the season, I thought they were going to coast through. I mean, coast probably isn't the right word. But I thought they were going to work their way through the first couple of games, get some wins against teams like, of course, Buffalo. I thought they would win against Detroit. I thought the Vikings was a coin flip game because it was Lambeau Field. I thought they had as good a shot as any. thought they would beat the Bears, obviously, and the Bills. They had some winnable games before the bye. Their bye is pretty advantageously positioned near the middle of their schedule, and now they get into the meat of their schedule, and I was hoping that they'd be a little bit better positioned, and I thought they would be a little bit better positioned, but that doesn't appear to be the case. So now we got to dig in and, and really try to figure this team out. A couple of things that I took away from that uh, Niners game, I actually watched it again this weekend, and uh, I picked up a couple of things that I didn't see the first time, uh, but it will come to no surprise as you. The number one thing I noticed that I didn't... Th- this Packers team just stinks at tackling. Blake Martinez, three missed tackles, Kentrell Bryce with two, and then there were a whole bunch of players all tied with one between HaHa Clinton-Dix and uh, and a whole bunch of other players along that line and linebacking core. I don't know why, because I, I didn't know if it was Dom Capers' issue, I don't know if it was one of the assistant coaches' issues, but, but that problem has not been solved this year. This team is still very poor at tackling, and until that fixes itself, they're going to have a real hard issue consistently getting off the field, whether it's on third down or by means of turnovers. Look, if you can't tackle, if you can't hit you just not have a good you're not going to have a good time if it, those of you who have seen south park you're going to have a bad time all right that's how it's going to go for the for the packers defense if they can't tackle that's uh that's one of the couple fundamental things about playing defense look aaron jones and i know it was uh it was very popular and and people obviously picked up that aaron jones was the first running back on the field he was running with the first team offense against the 49ers and i think a lot of us looked at that rightfully so and said Good, we're making progress. Mike McCarthy is finally maybe stepping aside, getting a little bit less stubborn and just giving way to his best running back. Well, on the surface, it may have seemed that way, but when you look at the tape and when you actually watch the game, that wasn't exactly the case. In the fourth quarter, Aaron Jones wasn't on the field, and I actually tweeted during the game, I said, uh, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but uh, the crux of it was, starting Aaron Jones in the first quarter only to not use him in the fourth quarter is the ultimate Mike McCarthy troll move. Like, is that not just... Just one hundred percent classic. Mike McCarthy got so sick of people asking about Aaron Jones and wondering about Aaron Jones. He said, "You want some Aaron Jones? Fine. Here he is. I'll give him to you in the fourth quarter, and he's not going to play the rest of the game." <laughs> I hate it, but it, it's it's just I've come to expect things like that from Mike McCarthy. It is classic McCarthy, and it's a, and it's a classic troll move. And I almost think it's funny, but when you look at the snaps, Aaron Jones uh, played nineteen offensive snaps behind Ty Montgomery, who played twenty six. And Jamal Williams, who played 27. Jones still led the team in rushing with 8 carries for 41 yards. Montgomery had 4 carries for 12. And Williams had 6 carries for 29. Look, I don't understand. I know a lot of you don't understand. I was talking to my roommates the other day. And Mike McCarthy said, and this is kind of the... the the hill that he's going to die on, is that there's more to playing running back than running the football. Well, that might be so. But when you start describing these running backs and just using words, Jamal Williams is tough. He's a grinder. He can block. He's a good pass blocker, which can't be understated. But those are the words you think of. Ty Montgomery, you think of versatile, right? You think of of versatile. That's about the only word I can think of. And when you think about Aaron Jones, you think of explosive. Now, you tell me, Packers fans and, and listeners of the Wisco Sports Show, if you are trying to pick a running back, do you want someone who's tough, who's a grinder? you want someone who's versatile, or do you want someone who's explosive? I'll give you just a moment. Think about it. I think it's pretty clear-cut. You want the most explosive player. I really don't think there's a, <laughs> there's a whole lot of debate there. But as Mike McCarthy says, there's a whole lot more to playing running back than running the ball. I don't necessarily buy into that. I know their number one priority is keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. But you also brought in weapons over the offseason like Mercedes Lewis to help with keeping Aaron Rodgers upright and until you start utilizing 100% those other weapons and those other means of keeping Aaron Rodgers upright, I don't need to see you doing it at the expense of the running game. I don't need to see you worrying about pass blocking at the expense of the running game when you have other avenues to address that issue and I think the Packers do both using Mercedes Lewis or Lance Kendricks. Lance Kendricks isn't an A-plus blocker like like Mercedes Lewis is, but he's, he's good enough. And until you start running multiple tight end sets and using your best players for pass protection, d- don't take it out on the running game. Don't take it out on Aaron Jones. It's not his fault that you can't pass protect. It's not. I want my explosive player in the backfield. That was one thing that stood out because I know a lot of us watching the game saw, wow, Aaron Jones gets the start out there with the first team offense. Well, when you break it down, played 27% of the snaps, Ty Montgomery 37 and Jamal Williams 38. So still lagging behind. Still lagging behind. Now Montgomery did some good things, especially catching the ball, but but uh Aaron Jones, I, I don't know. Is this is this something we're gonna whine about all season Packers fans? I, I know I probably will and I'm going to continue to talk about it on the show until the Packers start winning at a high clip and moving the ball on offense. Because if you're not moving the ball on offense and you're not utilizing your weapons, well, there's some blame to go around then. Uh, Jimmy Graham with a breakout game as well. Maybe not a breakout game. A lot of yardage. Uh, His scoring still hasn't been, I think, exactly where a lot of people had. But Jimmy Graham eclipsing 100 yards. Uh, the touchdowns haven't been there, but in this game, the yardage was, and if you can stretch the field with Jimmy Graham, I think that's all you can ask for, the touchdowns will come, and I have no problem thinking that Aaron, er, not Aaron Rodgers, but uh, but Jimmy Graham can get into the double digits for touchdowns this year, even though he only stands at one, he had one brought back because of a penalty, and, and, you know, think of it what you will, they don't play a lot in preseason, and Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham, with the type of offense that they run, and Aaron Rodgers is the captain, and he is the end-all, be-all, Aaron Rodgers has got to be on the same page with these guys, and if he's not, the offense doesn't help them a whole lot because it's set to run through Aaron Rodgers, so until there is some chemistry, until there's some understanding between Graham and number 12, uh, the scores aren't going to be there. The yards aren't going to be there, but I think we are going to see uh, improvement in the weeks to come. The number one thing that, that jumped out to me when watching this game for the second time was the yards after the catch, and I looked up the stats. 219 yak yards, yards after the catch. Yards for this Packers team. Which means, number one, they're completing passes, and they're obviously getting yards, and they're moving the ball. But number two, Aaron Rodgers is taking what the defense gives him. He's hitting the underneath stuff. He's hitting that check down out in the flat to Lance Kendricks instead of trying to force one up top to Devontae Adams on third and three. He's taking the underneath stuff. And and in a game where... It didn't really go ideally. They had to come back and play from behind, knowing that Aaron Rodgers was playing through that offense and taking what the 49ers defense made available to him, I think is a very encouraging sign and is a good feeling for Packers fans going forward. 219 yards after the catch. That's good stuff. And I'll continue to take that uh, every every day of the week or every week of the season, I should say, uh, for the Green Bay Packers. 219 yards after the catch is pretty darn good. You want to get in touch with the program, we're actually going to start talking about the Rams and the Packers. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Aaron Rodgers, the biggest... Underdog he has ever been in his career right now ESPN has a spread at nine and a half points I don't know if that's the official Vegas spread or if that's just one number either way I saw eight and a half earlier this week I don't know if that has since changed or if ESPN has a different number But that's typically where I go to for the odds I would think that they're that they're somewhat universal at least within a point or half a point or so This team right now is the healthiest they have been and that might surprise you Packers fans But they're actually in a really good really good shape going into uh the bye week, starting or out of the bye week, starting with Aaron Rodgers. This is per Tom Pelissero, uh earlier today. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers says it's too early in week to say if he'll ditch the knee brace or not. He would like to when he's fully healthy. He didn't have a new MRI this week, which is good for the knee and other minor bumps and bruises. So Aaron Rodgers, hopefully continuing to get healthier and hopefully we can see him shed that brace, although it makes me a little nervous right now when I see him out there without a brace. In terms of the injury report and what the Packers are looking like for Sunday... Ryan Wood of PackersNews.com had this to say earlier. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers was not seen during early periods of Tuesday's practice, which the team is treating as a typical Wednesday non-padded session. The hope was that he would practice today. We'll see if the injury report lists him as a non-participant or limited. Either way, they are remarkably healthy entering uh, the second half of their schedule. Rodgers was actually the only player on the 53-man roster today not practicing. Uh, there was a group of players that didn't practice last week that are trying to get healthy we All practice today. Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, Jair Alexander, and Bashad Breland all practice this week, which is a really encouraging sign, especially they have good players in the secondary. Kevin King played well last week, including a game-saving interception. Jermon Williams is someone you're comfortable with. Josh Jackson is young, but you figure he has a lot of talent, so you're comfortable with him out there. Problem is they haven't had their their first round pick, Jair Alexander, and their their veteran or their their depth piece that they brought in in Bashad Breland. Maybe he will make his Packers debut this weekend in Los Angeles. And the Packers are going to need to be healthy as they continue to run down the stretch. Oh, uh, they got they got some really tough games, guys. They have same some very tough games, including, like I said, LA this weekend. Then they go to New England, then they host Miami. They go to Seattle, to Minnesota. Uh, they have the Cardinals, and they got to play the Falcons before the year is done as well. It, it's it's going to be a murderer's row the next five or six weeks. We're, going of course, going to be following along here on the Wisco Sports Show, win or lose. It'll be fascinating to see what kind of team comes out of the bye week. And I don't know uh, if you all listeners have a, a specific case in mind or a specific hot streak that maybe this Packers team has in them that we have yet to see. I don't really know. I think this weekend's game is going to give us a large impression of maybe what this Packers team is capable of. McCarthy's teams have uh, have historically been very good off the bye. They very rarely lose coming out of the bye. That number has gotten worse and that percentage has gotten slightly worse the last couple of years. But uh, if you take the last couple of seasons out, McCarthy's been darn near unbeatable off a of bye week and, and hopefully you see the effects of that and the effects of that extra week to prepare for a really quality opponent come into play this Sunday on the field. I will say one thing. I, I think the Packers, and I said this earlier on in the show for those of you who hadn't joined Joined us yet I think the Green Bay Packers will play their best game of the year this Sunday I think they're going to come out they're going to have a perfect game plan I think they're going to have schemed perfectly on both sides of the ball I think we're going to have great performances from guys like Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham and maybe guys who we haven't seen step up to reach their full potential yet I do however think the Packers will still lose this game and we've seen this with Packers teams in the past and heck with the Milwaukee Bucks as well um is an example look Sometimes teams come out against a really good opponent in a game where they, they're not given anything. That they're underdogs to the umpteenth degree. And Aaron Rodgers is an underdog to uh, to a, the tune of a 9.5 point spread this weekend. Which is just absurd given that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of this team. But understandable. I think the Packers are going to play great. Nobody's giving them a chance. I think they're going to come in and impress everyone. I still think they're going to lose though. Uh, which will be frustrating in and of itself. But I think we are going to see some encouraging things from this Packer game. The question is, if they do play well this weekend, can they continue uh, to build on that as the season goes on? Because to be completely honest, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of encouraging things from this Packers team so far this year. Share your Packers thoughts at 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. A little bit of Vikings breaking news as well. Uh, It sounds like Everson Griffin, a perfect. Ian Rappaport and a statement from not only Griffin, but general manager Rick Spielman sounds like he's going to resume football activities tomorrow, which is going to help that Vikings defense who's been inconsistent at times, but they've gotten better each and every week. Um, And I think that defense is a force to be reckoned with still, especially because they're about to get their number one pass rusher back. So we'll uh, continue to follow along with the Packers and the Vikings. Obviously, Oh, uh, the Packers nine and a half point underdogs on Sunday. We're going to continue to follow Uh, trade deadline talk as well. I want to continue that throughout this week and into next week as the trade deadline looms. There's been a lot of action and, and hopefully maybe the Packers can uh, can supplement this team and, and go get an, uh, an impact player. I have a couple people asking about Patrick Peterson. I don't think the Packers are going to make a move for Patrick Peterson for a couple of reasons. I think Patrick Peterson is going to be incredibly expensive. You saw Amari Cooper fetch a first round pick. Uh, if Amari Cooper got a first round pick and I, and this is what I'm saying. If I'm Arizona, I I want at least a first round pick, if not more for Patrick Peterson, who is in the prime of his career and one of the best at his respective position. And I think he's going to go to a contender. And I think he probably is going to go to a team like new Orleans or or Atlanta, Atlanta, very banged up in that secondary and could use an extra body and they're going to overpay for him as they, as typically is done through trades. Pass rusher, maybe Chandler Jones. If you want to talk about another uh, another Cardinal, then I'll listen. But I don't think Patrick Peterson is in the cards. I think they'll ask, but I don't think he's in the cards because I also think they like their secondary. So we're going to continue to keep the trade deadline talking, uh, the trade deadline talk rolling in the upcoming days and, and all the way up to the trade deadline next week. But right now I want to talk a little Brewers when we come back. I have a bone to pick with some of you listeners and some of you Twitter followers uh, and I got to share that coming up at the start of the next segment and then I want to talk about off-season expectations. What do you think this Brewer team does? What do you think they look like next year and how do they build on a very successful yet albeit disappointing season when it comes down to it? That's all coming up next year on the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Four show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Maybe you're streaming live uh, on our WKTY mobile app. If you are, you're ahead of the times. And tell all of your friends to download it because it is slick. Not only for listening uh, live uh, to programming like my show right now, uh, but also... To watch local action on Friday nights, to watch your Friday night lights, uh, our live streams and to catch up on podcasts and, and to check out our schedule and everything's going on on that WKTY app. So if you haven't already and you're a fan of the station, definitely download it. Speaking of Friday night lights, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to WIZM's Drew Kelly, my broadcast partner. I should probably say I'm more of his broadcast partner. Uh, we've called our our fair share of lacrosse Central games, including their playoff win last week, and he's going to be traveling with the team this week to call uh, their continued playoff action. So we're going to really dig into that team and, and talk about the exciting squad and the success that they've had so far in the playoffs. So make sure you're holding on for that coming up in 10 minutes. Right now, I do want to talk a little bit of Brewers. It just feels sacrilegious at this point if we don't talk Brewers during a show, and we're so blessed as Brewer fans and as baseball fans because of that. If you want to chime in, 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. I got a bone to pick with some of you uh, Twitter followers specifically So here we go. I'm not angry, okay? I I just, I want to share something. So yesterday, um, I was a little bit, I didn't know how to feel when I came on the air. I said, I I don't know if I should be mad about this Brewer team. I don't know if I should be sad, if I should be excited, uh, what have you. And and I put it out to you guys and I said, you tell me what I should feel. And and the participation yesterday was fantastic. And and I think we all got a good sense of where the Brewers are at and how we should feel and, and where this team is going forward. Basically, I think it's okay to feel sad about this team. Obviously, I was I was destroyed on Saturday. I was so sad uh, because I thought they were going to win that game. I said that yesterday. I was so confident the Brewers were going to win that game. I thought they had all the momentum. They were at home. They were feeling good. And, and I thought they were going to win. And it didn't be the case. And that was just devastating to me. And I was also a little bit frustrated because I feel like they had squandered some opportunities in that series to win it. But then, of course, there's a part of me, and you guys shared this and tried to emphasize this yesterday as well that, that as brewer fans, we should be excited because they are built for sustained success for the next couple of years and they're built for the long haul. I got a tweet earlier today talking about how, look, you Brewers fans, you, you gotta stop with your, with your sadness, with your pity. Look, you, and, and actually what one of the tweets said was, you have excitement, which is the first, which is the first time you could say that about the Brewers in a long time. Was I watching the same team? Was I following the same team that you guys were this year? And, and I'm not talking to everyone. I'm talking to a couple people who are uh, who were responding on Twitter yesterday. Let me see if I can find the uh, the exact tweet I can. I'll just give me a couple of seconds. But basically saying, look, the Brews are exciting. And, and this is what it says. Be excited because you have some actual hope for next year. Something you haven't had in a while. W- are you guys watching the same team? Are you following the same team that I am? I'll remember last winter, I was sitting on... I remember exactly where I was at this time. I was sitting on my floor in my living room, playing Call of Duty with one of my roommates. I was following Twitter, and then the Brewers traded for Christian Yelich. And I said, oh my goodness, and I'm looking at who they gave up, and I said, wow, he's going to be a cornerstone for this franchise for a long time. Hopefully, he can live up to the expectation and and the bill that the Brewers had to foot to get him to Milwaukee. And I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be an MVP this year, but we all thought he was a good player. Very exciting. And then... What felt like just minutes later, I get the news that the Brewers signed a huge free agent contact to bring Lorenzo Cain back to Milwaukee. And that was incredibly exciting, because not only did the Brewers bring in one of the young up-and-coming stars in the league, who's improving more every series, or every season, excuse me, but they brought in a guy who's won World Series. Been there, done that. An experienced, bona fide superstar. They brought in both of those guys to, to solidify that outfield and to solidify that batting order, to cut down on strikeouts, to up offensive productivity. And when they brought in those tweets, I texted my buddy who's a Cubs fan and he said, look, the Brewers aren't effing around, they're going for this. And I said, absolutely, let's go. So to those brew fans who say they massively outperformed expectations this year and you should just be happy to be talking about Brewers this time of year and you have excitement which you've never been able to say before. First of all, I was excited as hell when this Brewers team started this year because I knew that they brought in two new players and David Stearns I think has a knack for bringing in some good talent and I knew they had up and coming talent in their rotation like Corbin Burns and Josh Hader. I didn't think Josh Hader was going to be that good. I knew they had a great closer in Corey Canable and Orlando Arcee I think is an up and coming very good player in this league. This Brewers team was very exciting at the beginning of this year. So don't tell me that there were no expectations to this Brewers team, and don't tell me that I should just be happy to be even be talking about Brewers this time of year because they took it to the Cubs, who had the most league in the na- the most wins in the National League. They took it to the Colorado Rockies, who have two of the biggest sluggers in Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story in the middle of that lineup, and good hitters up and down that roster to boot. They took it to them, including one game on their own field and swept them in three. Then they went up against a team with nearly double the payroll and superstars up and down, including one of the best starting pitchers of all time, and took them to seven games. So don't tell me that this Brewers team was well, way over their skis, and they were playing with house money, and they didn't care, because they did care, and that team was supposed to be there. They were a good team. They were built to be a good team, and that was the expectation at the beginning of the year, okay? So don't tell me I should just be pleased and just be happy to have excitement and, and, and noise around this Brewers team. That was there six months ago. That was there eight months ago when the Brewers brought in Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. I don't, need, I don't need a lecture from you all on Twitter, okay? I don't need that. I don't need that about this Brewers team. They're going to be exciting for the next couple of years, and that didn't just start a couple of days ago when the Brewers l- fluked in to a World Series because it wasn't a fluke. That team was darn good, and they started to play their best baseball and got hot at the right time. I'm not saying that the Cubs weren't a good team. I'm not saying they got lucky to beat the Cubs. I said they got hot at the right time. The Cubs maybe got a little cold at the wrong time, and the Brewers took advantage and beat some really quality opponents down the stretch. Plain and simple. So let's calm down. Let's calm down a little bit on the, you're acting spoiled. Just be happy to have some excitement around this team. Because there was excitement a long time ago. There was excitement a year ago when they brought in all those guys. Let's calm it down. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter if you want to get on what I'm making sound like just just unmissable action. At Keystroker Grant. you can follow me. You should also follow WKTY at WKTY. And you can follow up with all the news and, and the things that we have going on on this station. So now the Brewers begin their uh, their long hike through the offseason and through the winter. And this is a fascinating team with some fascinating situations to deal with, including a couple players like Jonathan Scope and Mike Moustakis who were brought in, not as rentals, but as a player uh, who knew that they had expiring contracts. Now they could extend a guy like Mike Moustakis or Jonathan Scope. I have a feeling that Jonathan Scope is not going to be back. It just didn't work. Some trades work out and some hit and some don't. I don't think Jonathan Scope Is long for Milwaukee, especially after the showing he had in the postseason. Now, don't get me wrong, Jonathan Scope had one of the most exciting plays of the Brewers' season, excuse me, when he hit that World Series... er, Now I can't even talk, I'm so fired up. When he hit that grand slam against Madison Baumgartner and the San Francisco Giants, you remember that? When uh, Madison Baumgartner hit Ryan Braun to load the bases to bring up Jonathan Scope, and then he knocked a dong shot out into left field. That was one of the most exciting moments of the season. And I'll never forget that, but sorry, Scope. I mean, you had a bummy postseason... Craig Council didn't like to have you on the field. He did give you an opportunity to start. You took the collar. You didn't have any hits. You didn't get on base. And you had a chance, a couple pinch hit opportunities in the playoffs. You didn't take advantage of it. And I just don't think the Brewers are going to lay down money to bring back Jonathan Scope because I think they want to go for quality at that second base position. And not only do I think there are other options out there, but I think they have options in their minor leagues like Keston Hira, who I think they're really high on, not only defensively, but hitting the ball. Something that Jonathan Scope really was not able to do either. Mike Mustakis, I think, is a little bit more realistic I I think for the Brewers the decision is going to come down to do you want to keep Mike Moustakis or do you want to move forward with Travis Shaw because I and and I hate to say this I don't think you can do both I think Orlando Arcia has firmly cemented his position as your everyday shortstop at least for the near future uh, because he showed that he could hit the ball especially in high pressure situations which sure up one position. I think Hazy Sagular for the near future is going to be your first baseman. He's under contract through, I believe, 2021. He's not up for arbitration for a while either, so he's another cornerstone. That's half your infield. Now what about second base and third base? Well, pick Travis Shaw or pick Mike Moustakis. They're both left-handed hitters and they both play third base. I think second base is Keston Hira or another player. I don't think the second baseman of the future is on this roster right now, which is why I don't think uh, that if they're high on Travis Shaw, I don't think they bring Moose back. And if they're high on Moose, I think they look to part ways with Travis Shaw. That's my... Uh, sense of what's going to happen. And as we move forward, uh, we'll continue to follow along in the winter as well. You can always chime in as the show rolls on. 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. And don't tell me that I should just be happy to have a little bit of excitement about this Brewers team. Don't say that I should just be grateful uh, to be able to talk about them because you, we were talking about this team six months ago when they brought in Yelich and Kane. So, enough of that. Enough of that. We look forward to an exciting offseason. When we come back, we're going to be talking Lacrosse Central football. They have our level two playoff game this Friday, and we're talking to the man who has been calling Lacrosse Central nearly all year long. Drew Kelly from WIZM will join us to wrap up the show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 967 FM 580 AM. We got to get we got to go local for our final segment. I touched on uh, Lacrosse Central and their recent playoff success yesterday a little bit, but now we bring in another expert, another guy who's been at the games all season long. WIZM's Drew Kelly, Drew, what's going on today? Not much. How's it going, man? <laughs> Good. I. You happy to get out of the newsroom, do something a little yeah, bit different. Yeah, a little or? bit more
1: exciting. A little bit, a uh, little bit of a different view. Yeah, so this is
0: nice. Hopefully, I didn't take you away from some important breaking news or no. anything like that. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, Lacrosse Central, as a six seed, advancing on the road last week in Oregon. I mean, it was. They they showed out in the second half. Twenty one or three touchdowns in the yep. second half, going into the break. Down by 10. That offense was impressive.
1: Yeah, I scored them 19 7 in the second half there, and they needed to because they were just yeah. struggling deep in that first half. We really saw no signs of life, quite frankly. I mean, that defense saved them to a certain degree in that first half, at least keeping them in it until their offense could start clicking. In that second half, obviously, they started putting the ball in Johnny Davis' hands a lot more. A lot more read option, yeah. a lot more throwing the football. Something we really didn't see a whole lot in the first quarter and a half, which is something I think in this uh, next game against Oregon. Uh, excuse me, Menominee Grove. It's a, a team that is going to put up some points in a hurry. So, I mean, you got to get a tier star player and you got to ride him until he can't run anymore.
0: Yeah, you you can't fall down or scuffle at the beginning like they did last week. And, and it's so fun to watch. And part of the reason why I like Lacrosse Central is I, I went to Menominee and, and I've seen high school football and I've seen good high school football teams. But most of the teams that I've seen that are successful, they run the ball with power. You know, when they're, they're not like Holman. Yeah, the, Holman's another great example. West Salem is another one. They run the ball and, and that's their thing. And when they can't do that they struggle and lacrosse central is so different I mean they throw the ball around they have athletic players everywhere and a lot of those players showed out last week and, and more j- davises which makes your job as a play-by-play a lot guy it makes it easy and difficult <laughs> at the same time yeah. because you can just say davis but some of those guys really showed out last week
1: yeah deandre really uh had a great second half uh, we talked about the first half pretty much everybody was struggling yeah. not much uh, they could do but second half uh, really got the passing game going and he had a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that third quarter. That I think that really sparked him. Uh, one of those kids, and I saw him on the basketball floor, too, he wants people to push him down. Like, he wants to get called for fouls yeah. and get in people's faces. Like, that's what motivates him, it seems like. And that's what obviously happened in the last game. He got uh, kind of some late contact. I got tackled, and then got up in the face of the guy and got the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So it hurt in that sense then, but it basically was the catalyst to get him going and make some big plays and, Uh, Broken tackles uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, all the way around, and uh, Jamar Davis, who didn't have as big a game. Usually, their their leading receiver right now. So I mean, he's going to have to show up big, uh, obviously in this game as well. uh, As they're going to be going against Jordan Davis. I mean, that's going to be their primary focus, just because how athletic he is, how big he is, how strong he is. I mean, that's got to be your number one focus as a defense.
0: I was blown away. Well, first of all, I like how they lined him up in the backfield because Jordan Davis, do you do you know the height off the top of your head? I mean, normally you have all this stuff in front of you and do games. He's he's gotta be six, I mean, six,
1: four, six, six he's five. That big.
0: Okay, I was gonna guess like six one or six two. He's huge. No, like he's- and when they lined him up in the backfield last week a couple of times, I thought that was a unique look. And they have so many weapons that they can line them up in different places. But Jordan Davis is a matchup guy who they, they've shown that they're just comfortable throwing up a jump ball to. And I think that's a really important weapon to have sometimes when the defense is stopping you everywhere and you just need to let your playmaker go go make a play.
1: Yeah, and that happened last week. They threw one up, uh, I think, late in the third quarter. It actually got picked off. Yeah, like, That was the one time i have seen the entire season where it didn't work.
0: We were I mean, that was a
1: Yeah, well, that was a 50-50 ball that, I mean, 90% of the time, he's going to come down with. So, I mean, I don't, th- I don't see them going away from it because it's... It's worked so many times but obviously you have to be aware of when you get into this level you got a lot of great cornerbacks as well you're not going to just be able to
0: play yeah. backyard
1: football and just you know go and get it you got to be a little bit more careful but uh he's still going to be a weapon that you look towards uh if you're in trouble.
0: Yeah that that offensive line was able to protect for Davis a little bit better in the first half they let him run more in the second half which I which I like to see do you think they were saving him in the first half do you think they wanted him fresh in the second or do you just think it was by necessity that he had to take off and run in the second half
1: Uh I think it was a little bit of both. I, mean, I think you saw, quite frankly, in that first half, they were trying to get the running backs involved. They were trying to get the ball to Peter Fleming and to uh, Stephen Cross. I mean, that was a focal point, it seemed like, yeah. to kind of open up the passing game. And when they shut that down, it just didn't seem like they had much of an answer until they got back to the halftime locker room, regrouped. That second half, that's one thing that does concern me. If you're a Central fan, they had a lot of pressure on Johnny Davis, yeah. and he was just running for his life. Uh, he was able to get obviously some big plays uh, with the read option, but on third and longs, when you have to pass, I mean, they were sending the catch and sink, um, and they have they have a they had a pretty good uh, secondary, but that's what you have to do. I mean, if it's one of those situations where if they're going to beat you, it's fine, but you got to send the house yeah. and keep hitting him, hitting him, hitting him until he's not able to do as much of the things as he likes to do.
0: Yeah, I was impressed. He did a good job of escaping pressure, and he's good on the run. It looked like. Uh, but I don't know that, that the defense for uh, Oregon last week is anything like we're going to see for Monona, Monona Grove. What do we know about Monona Grove? I mean, honestly, we were talking about the seeding meetings and how I think Lacrosse Central might have gotten biffed just a little bit as, as a sixth seed. And they won how many games in a row to close out the year? Uh, at least three. Three, yeah. three or four. I mean, they went in. They won, they won five of their last six. Five of their last six looked really good going in. And I thought we all expected them to get a home game. They didn't. Um, and now they're going back to the Madison area on Friday, and you can hear that game here on WK Two Y. What do we know so far? And I know you you do your research throughout the week, and, and you talk to coaches and try to get whatever you can. What do we know so far about this team, if anything?
1: Balance. It's unbelievable. I'm looking at their stats. They have run for over 1,900 yards, and they have, pa- or no, they have passed for over 1,900 yards. They have run for over 2,100 yards. Wow. You can't get more balanced, I don't think, if you, if you tried. It's over 4,000 yards of offense. It's pretty much even right down the chute. Um, they've got a running back that they've uh, seemingly gone to quite a bit uh, in the last couple of weeks here, Brandon Killer Lane. Uh, over 20 carries averaging uh, the last four games, That so they're going to use him a lot. Uh, quarterbacks thrown for 22 touchdowns, one pick. Ooh. <laughs> so he's not going to make mistakes. Like, no. You're going to have to pressure him. You're going to have to get after him. And uh, I mean, they're 10 0. And it's not a bad conference in uh, that uh, Badgerland uh, conference there. Uh, they destroyed Oregon earlier in the season, who yeah. we obviously saw that central uh squeaked by in the first round. So I think like a good start is gonna be the biggest thing well, for Central. They can't get behind seventeen nothing because Oregon had one style of play. They had the running game. Mm-hmm. And when Central was able to go back to the halftime locker room and shut down the running game, they didn't have a passing game to kind of open it back up. Obviously when you have over, you know, twenty two touchdowns and nineteen hundred yards, just pick your poison. I mean yeah, you can really. you can get uh, offense basically no matter where you want it. So they cannot fall behind early.
0: Yeah, and you can't struggle at the beginning, especially on the road in a hostile environment. Look, Oregon, I, I'm not going to lie, and maybe you had, have a different impression. I was not overly impressed by the crowd and the noise at Oregon. Oh, I was crazy. it crazy. So it wasn't just me. I, I was very I mean, you get more you that, get
1: more that in, a, in a high school game at Central. I mean, and yeah. the... Uh, the UWL sounds louder. Yeah, at a huge stadium, that yeah. seems empty. And, and it, it seems it, empty then, but like, and that was a, a louder environment than what we saw on Friday. It I, was just really bizarre.
0: I don't know with with Oregon and, and nobody was standing up. They sat the whole game and they would they would clap, but nobody stood up. And I feel like going into Monona Grove, a ten and 0 team, there's probably a lot more excitement. The crowd is going to be a bigger factor. You know, Not that maybe you have to go to a silent count or anything like that, but just the feeling on the field. If Central falls behind again and struggles at the start, it's hard to rebound from that, and it's hard to, to feel like you're back into this game when everything is stacked against you on the road.
1: It should be an interesting performance uh, defensively. I think they really uh, pressured the quarterback a lot more uh, in that game than we've seen the last few games uh, that we did for Central. So that'll yeah. be a, a big factor, uh, obviously, coming up on Friday. But uh, it it is nice that you're basically taking the same drive. Yeah, I mean, We talked to Coach Service about that, that it's nice to um you got a routine yeah it's nice to have a home playoff game but even if you're on the road twice now it's not like you're going four hours north after you went two hour two hour and a half hours to madison you basically leave at the same time you get there at the same time you know what it's like uh so it it, that aspect i don't think is going to be as challenging
0: yeah you've they've played as an underdog before as a six seed. now monona grove is the two who's the one in this bracket
1: uh, Wanake. Wanake. Which is the number one team in the state.
0: All of the, all on the other side <laughs> of the state. It's funny how that works. I remember Menominee would always go to the Green Bay area. And it's kind of tough, especially week one, because you see the team's record and you see their yardage, but you have nothing to compare it to, right? Yep. And this week that changes a little bit. Monona Grove, like you said, killed Oregon, who's a team that we've already seen. Now you have some context. Do you think Lacrosse Central, I mean... I, it's hard to predict. I, I, I haven't seen Monona Grove. Uh, how do you picture this game going? What are the the biggest keys? Uh, if you could pick one or two things that Central has to do well to compete in this game, what do you think it is?
1: Well, uh, as we mentioned, uh, the start they got to get off to a strong start. To at least keep a minute early. So, I mean, if they can be down by ten points at the start of the half or the start of the second half and yeah. have the football to start the second half, I'd be like, all right, you know.
0: You can number, work with that.
1: Yeah, you can work with that. You can't be down by 28 points; otherwise, it's just there's no hope for you yeah. going into the second half. Uh, you got to feed Johnny, da- or Johnny Davis. I mean, you got to have hit the ball in his hands pretty much at all times. We talked about you know run up, run pass option. That's been a, a term that's been used overused by announcers like Probably, a yeah. million times. RPOs. Now that the Eagles RPOs, now that the Eagles kind of uh, perfected it last uh, last year, but uh, that's going to be what is the plan? I believe. I, I believe it's going to be a lot of decision making on Johnny Davis's part and that's the thing when you have those athletes i mean you can't coach that yeah just use them they've got the speed they've got the talent they just got to be able to uh like i said get off to a better start and, and hopefully get some pressure on the quarterback
0: and i know that we talked about last week very important that all those guys have had success in other sports and they've played in big yeah. games in other sports yeah as it's well. not going to be
1: like they're uh, gonna you know be nervous about the situation or whatever it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great game
0: yeah, the moment's not too big, and, and I'm excited for it. You can hear it on WKTY. You will be there live to take in all the action. I'm excited, and I'm going to have to be paying attention as well. Drew, thanks for giving us a couple of minutes. You're off the clock now. I mean, <laughs> this is extra for you, so I definitely appreciate it. On Alaska, taking
1: on Rice Lake as well. We'll have updates right. uh, throughout,
0: the week, uh, throughout the game. And Sparta with the huge win. They go to... Why don't I know off the top of my head? (laughs) They beat Ashland. They beat Ashland, which is impressive. I had somebody text yesterday. New Richmond, Richmond, that's right. Somebody texted yesterday saying, Sparta got a huge win. I said, yes, they did. Traveling that far, you think Madison is a bad drive. Go all the the way up to Ashland. So, Drew, thank you very much. And uh, continue your fantastic coverage of Central and all these other local games as well. Like I said, that game will be here on WKTY on Friday night. You can also catch the video stream, wktysports.com, the mobile app, Basically, anywhere uh, you can find video, we'll have it up so you can check it out. Then Lacrosse Central goes on the road. Monona Grove on Friday. Get hyped, and we'll continue to talk about it as the week goes on. Brewers, Packers, and everything else as we approach the weekend. Same time, same place on Thursday. I am the Eagles tomorrow with Scrady and Coach Schmidt. I'll talk to you on Thursday.